Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And I am your host, Michael Sherlock. All month long, we are talking to some of the incredible powerhouses in leadership with lots of different experiences and backgrounds. And my guest today is not going to be any different. So Ken London, he's the founder of Ken London and Associates. He's also the creator of the Sales Alpha Roadmap. Just think about that for a moment, because that title alone tells us a lot. Now, here's a little personal side of the story. He found his mission I think you can picture maybe what was happening at this moment when I tell you this, and it might like, you know, hit you in the gut, but he found his mission while standing in his front lawn in Atlanta in 2011, when he learned from the people who had purchased it, that his house had been sold by the bank. Wow. So that's a moment where you're like, oh, my gut has been hit. And with his business in the last six years of his life up in smoke, he took a mid-level sales position. You know, like any of us would do, you got bills to pay, you've got responsibilities, you take what you can that you know you can do. And over the course of the next couple of years, he was offered many promotions, at least two, attaining the role of senior vice president of sales. And his unique perspective is on thriving during difficult times. And that's not just about, you know, within yourself and keeping going, but really within sales in these, these times that are troubling. And we all know that the last year, man, we have seen sales challenges all over the place. His unique perspective on thriving during difficult times and his considerable sales acumen helped him to become a consultant where he uses his systematic process to help other companies and help them specifically <laughs> to adapt to difficult changes uh, and thrive in uncertain times. So I don't know that we could have a more perfect guest. Thank you for joining us today, Ken. Well, thank you. I'm very fired up to be here. And I think this is going to be an absolutely wonderful conversation. Well, and I do too, because, you know, the last year and a half and still going forward, you know, the pandemic threw a lot of companies in a complete whirlwind of uncertainty and questions about how do we move forward? Can we move forward? What do we do? But I think at the heart of all of that is, you know, within each of us is this sense of not just our businesses, our companies, but ourselves. How do we thrive during these difficult times when, especially as a leader, your job is to keep the whole team fired up and keep them on track and keep hitting sales quotas. But in your head, you're going, yeah, but where am I in all this? I'm a little nervous too. So I can't wait to learn more about your experiences and how it can help people maybe find some fortitude through that, both in their sales objectives, but for them personally. So I hit some of the highlights of your bio. Tell us a little bit more about your story, your company today, and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Potential. Well, perfect. I appreciate that introduction. It was, yeah, it was pretty thorough. You've, uh, you hit the emotional highs and lows and I got the chills and then I warmed back up all at the same time. So, so I appreciate that. I mean, the quick and dirty, I mean, about me and your guests are here more to hear our conversation actually about us, but you know, I own a sales consultancy and advisory company for B2B companies, you know, and our goal is to break that traditional ineffective sales consulting model 
Um, while at the same time, kind of working on being a fitness junkie who gets to see the sunset from every continent. So, um, you know, we've got this proprietary process where we help companies sell more at higher margins in less time. Um, And that I'm sure we'll talk plenty about different aspects of how people can use those types of tools as we go. But, you know, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate that you share that personal story too. It's interesting. um, A year ago or a little more than a year ago, as we ran into the pandemic, Um, you know, I had to come to the realization where that 95% of my business income at that time came from me getting on an airplane to go speak and train around the world. And all of a sudden, as it all dropped off, I knew that I needed to diversify or have a different model. Um, but I hadn't done it yet because things were feeding me well, just like certain companies, you know, when they're in times of of great success, they think, you know, there's this mindset that it's going to keep going and we can worry about those other problems later. And I think we all recognize when they, when, you know, when we can't do that. But what I love about the personal side of your story too, about saying, oh my God, I, I lost everything is that people said to me after I shared this, even on LinkedIn, they're like, why would you tell everybody you lost all your business? You know, they're not going to have faith in you. And I'm like, why would I lie about this? Why would I say, Hey, I'm doing great. I'm speaking and training all over the world. You know, I mean, I still was virtually, but not the same. And I think that sense of saying, Hey, I've been at the bottom of this too. And I came back out is really powerful for people, especially for sales organizations to understand that if your model is broken, you can fix it. It's not, it's not a mark against you to recognize that it was broken. Yeah. And I think the hard part sometimes is realizing what broken looks like. Right. Yeah. You know, because here's the deal. We're we're very invested in the thing. We're so proud. Right. The thing we built, the way we do it, what was just like, it's my baby. Right. And nobody wants their baby to be called ugly. <laughs> exactly. And so you kind of look at that and then you have the second side of that, which is, look, so we can we can clearly identify that during the pandemic, COVID, and as we're kind of coming through that at the time of the recording of this, that was a difficult time for many and many companies flourished. Yeah. Coming out of that, we're seeing companies start to pick up, sales are starting to pick up, et cetera. But I would challenge just about everybody who's listening to this that neither of those are sustainable. Yeah. Right? The world has moved. And so whether you did well or you didn't do well, as long as you're still in business today during the pandemic, that's one thing. But if all of a sudden business is coming at you, how are you measuring whether or not it's actually a byproduct of pent up demand, or it's actually because you're positioned correctly to grow a company and to grow the careers of the teams and the people that you lead. And so there's really an interesting kind of thing happening in the world today where I think we just have to find more objective ways rather than just settling for the euphoria of, Oh, we're hitting a number because right. that once again is a fleeting moment where we're in the longest expansion. If you kind of get rid of that three, four, five month period, right? It really yes. still is, especially if you look at the stock market, the longest expansion in U.S. history. So, is there going to be another t- kind of tightening that may not be pandemic to pandemic related? I don't know, but what I would say is that everybody should be prepared to make sure they can weather that storm. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's a really great um, perspective, especially from uh, people listening that are running. Uh, B2B companies, sales organizations, is that, yes, you're right. You may be in a fortunate situation where pent-up demand is bringing people back to your door, but it's an even more important time to evaluate, are we doing the right things? Because what if all of a sudden that demand 
isn't there? What if other competitors enter the market and, and take my market share because I've been so, you know, I mean, I've been so focused on how great we're doing that we haven't been anticipating, you know, kind of the next evolution of business or how business operates. And I think that um, when, we, when we really sit back and look at things objectively, take our emotion out of it or our glee to see the cash register ringing again, we should be taking the lessons from this last year and a half to say, okay, pandemic, what's next? Um, and how do we position ourselves for long-term success? And that's not easy for people to do, especially if they're having that just, you know, praising and thankfulness that the cash register is ringing again. Well, yeah. And I think you said the word. So, you know, the listeners should mark this part of the podcast because what you said that we don't want to walk over it, it was critical. And that is positioning. Because I would venture to guess in 75% of the industries and businesses, if you haven't changed the way you market your positioning to your client base and the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, you will become commoditized. Yeah. Because you're not, the world has changed. So just go back. We don't like to talk about these things, but go back to 9-11 as an example of this, right? All the way after 9-11, we're immediately following 9-11, there were a lot of things that changed. There are a few things that stay changed. Mm -hmm. And so as you're coming through this and your services and the challenges that the people that you serve and the businesses you sell to are going to have, what are you saying? Hey, there is, it's not going to be a totally new normal because we're a little right. resilient, you know, Yeah. but what are you doing to change the way that your market perceives the value that you offer? And I would say if it's business as usual, like it was 18 months ago, I mean, outside of the world, working remote and silliness, but the positioning, the sales messaging, the stuff, you better rethink it because you'll see pricing pressure and margin pressure because you will become commoditized because your market will move past you. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'll give you a, a kind of a weird correlation, but in the speaking market, you know, when everything dried up and, you know, I had just gotten to the point a year prior where I no longer did anything free. I did some, a couple pre pro bono things, but I set a number and I say, I'm going to do X number of pro bono things for organizations that I believe in, or maybe that I've done other things. And so I just finally got into my pricing where I wanted it to be. I got my, you know, I had my boundaries all in place, which was great. And then when um, the pandemic hit, kind of everybody was doing things for free because you wanted to stay relevant and you wanted to stay, you know, in context. And, you know, there's, there's two sides of the story because I did get a lot of visibility from that, which was great. And I had other speakers who said, no, I'm not going to give anything away. And they, you know, are not making it today. Um, I found other ways to, to, you know, keep my, my business in motion. But now today, I have had in the last six months, I've had at least 15 companies say, if we're going to hire you virtually, why would we pay you? You don't have to travel. And I mean, not just pay you less. Why would we pay you? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, what did we do to ourselves? What did I do to myself? Because my expertise is not any less important because I'm over a camera yeah. versus in person, but the shifting of the market um, happened. And now the, the commoditization of it for everybody who wanted to do it to keep vital has really turned a terrible tide. <laughs> yeah, and our, our industry is very strange, right? So um, 
Like we've changed our entire, we changed our entire go to market model. We started at the beginning of last year, formalized in December. We had a really good year last year. So we're very, very fortunate. We had great retention with our clients because the good deal of our business, unlike was not based on getting on a plane. And so we were able to hold on to that. But I will say this, that I think here's what happened in our industry and that can happen in many other industries. And this was the problem. And I can talk about the sales industry because I know all these guys. And their friends, they got scared. Yeah. And they did all the stuff that we as sales experts would never have allowed our clients to do. Yeah. They devalued themselves significantly. And so what happened was you didn't do that to your business. Your your entire industry did it though. They said, holy cow, because you know, there are just industries upon industries that are built upon getting on a plane. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it wasn't, is your message worth something? It was, is anybody in our industry's message worth something? Right. And so kudos to you to be able to hold and to be able to do that. But that's a really good indication of the same. We talked about re- resetting your positioning because even though you didn't change anything and your value is, is innumerable and undoubtable, right? Your industry moved around you. Mm-hmm. And so you had to make some changes. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, you know, for, for people who are listening to recognize that, you know, being aware of what you're doing, what the industry is doing, what your competitors are doing is so critical to figure out how to position yourself and coming out of this, you know, when I, I've just, I've been talking a lot lately about the change in leadership from, you know, so many leaders in the last year and a half had to figure out how to um, survive in remote leadership. So, you know, where everyone went remote, many leaders just tried to survive. Like, let's just get through this. Now we're realizing that many businesses are going to continue remote, but more businesses are going to start a hybrid model. And so those leaders, for instance, especially with sales teams that are trying to figure out, well, now what do I do? Now I have to live this way. And then now I have to look at this in a hybrid model. This is really challenging people. And And I'm afraid for what's going to happen in a lot of leadership positions as people aren't comfortable doing hybrid because you can be leaving people out. You can not trust them. You know, it's one thing if everybody's stuck at home and the cat's walking, you know, back in the Zoom meeting. It's another thing when you've got people coming in and out of offices and going in and out of offices and trying to learn to lead at that level and still drive outcomes. Um, There's going to be some real tough, tough uh, wake up calls, I think. What, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we have to level up. Um, you know, it's funny. It's so I'm a little, I'm a, I, I'm a little sarcastic from time to time. And, uh, <laughs> I said the only, the only thing that really changed because my the teams I work with, we've been doing some form of virtual for a long time, mm-hmm. talking on Zoom, selling on Zoom, Google Meets, name Blue Jeans. But my goodness, yep. you yep. know, all of them, right? And so whenever it is like virtual selling, it's all, you, and I'm like. The only difference, the only difference that's really happened is now since you're doing so many meetings, your prospect or buyer just wants you to make your bed and put your dishes away before you turn on your camera. <laughs> oh, like, that's oh, the only difference. Um, I will say from a leadership perspective, though, it's interesting because it presents a specific set of challenges because it doesn't matter if you're the CEO, the VP of sales. VP of finance, whatever it is, or that's generally a smaller team. The issue becomes as follows. 
most managers and leaders struggled to actually manage and lead when they got to just do it kind of by seeing somebody walk by their office. Right, right. Right. They didn't have the intentionality, the frameworks to do it correctly, all that good stuff. And so now add that fact, there is an aver- there's an aversion thing, right? Like, you know, Jed's not performing great. I wonder if I just ignore Jed, if that'll work mm-hmm. itself out. And it, it's not what you're thinking consciously, but subconsciously, that's what's happening. Right. So now you have that remote where you can literally ignore somebody for a month and a half. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that hybrid model is going to be interesting. I think it's certainly a challenge for leadership. Um, and I think the, the big thing that has to happen here is that you have to have executive leadership, CEOs, presidents, et cetera, model the behaviors they expect of their employees. And then mod- that behavior needs to be modeled by each tier level all the way down throughout the organization so that you can have some consistency. Yeah, I totally agree. I love it. Okay, and we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Ken London and we are talking all things leadership, especially sales leadership. And all month long in July, as I talk to people like you who've managed tons of people and are helping organizations, you know, really figure out where their place is, especially within sales organizations. I've asked everybody for their top tips for sales leaders in particular in uh, with your expertise to really take it to the next level and make sure that they are not just status quo, but they are really uh, leveling up to where they need to be as sales leaders and to create better sales organizations. So share your thoughts with me. Yeah, I think so. When you start to talk about being a leader, especially in a sales team, right? Because you, it's an interesting mix because, you know, let's understand a salesperson first. So here's how I used to feel in sales. So it was Monday and I was sure I was going to make a million dollars this year. <laughs> it was Tuesday. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get fired today. Right. So it's, <laughs> right? it's just this, whoo, this emotional roller coaster that comes in and comes out. So I think sales leadership in particular, here's what I've got to tell you, because understand this, sales, the sales teams, and I'm talking, we could have, you know, 70 salespeople inside a $150 million organization or 600 inside a $150 billion organization. Mm-hmm. Here's the good news. The principles we're going to talk about fully apply in all cases. Okay. And um, so when you start to think about that, when you're a sales leader, salespeople tend to think that they can make a decision about how to spend their time. Oh, and by the way, we've let them and they do. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was going to say, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Whereas if you get, get somebody in finance, get somebody somewhere else, we've got a thing that's due on Friday. You know, it's just the marching orders are substantially more clear. So what can we learn from finance? Well, that's true. Guardrails on the, on our employees to where we can say, Hey, this is what a great day looks like. You know, I often compare it to, whether you're talking about a conversation with somebody or whether you're talking about the idea of how to manage, 
if you have kids, so everybody out there has children, if you've ever been bowling, right? You can go bowling with a six-year-old and you can say, I don't want my six-year-old to throw a single gutter ball. And they'll put up these little gutter guards. Yep. They'll roll the ball down and it'll bounce off at 422 times and it'll eventually hit the far right pin, right? <laughs> it never hit. <laughs> Except for the one time we saw a very strike. But that's what, that's what true effective management is too. Mm. We're providing the pathway to allow them to exercise their individual initiatives and ability, but we have to put the guardrails in so they understand what the job is, what the expectations are, what the success is, and what the accountability looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would say the number one thing in sales leadership from a standpoint of just tactical, actionable stuff, you must ask yourself, do my, do, do my individual sellers, my frontline sales managers, do they understand specifically what's required of them that is not quota getting? Like, and I mean that, and I said that incorrectly. Quota matters, but it's a but it's the grade after the homework and the test. Right. So how are we teaching them to do the homework and the test in order to get an A? So you have to put those guardrails around. I think it's kind of the first thing. Um, and then just kind of rolling here, I'm gonna give you one other one real quick. It's more of a, it's more of a kind of in your head. And here's the thing, you, everybody talks about building future leaders. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does that really mean? So like, you know, it's like building future leaders. Well, that means I get along well with Anne. So therefore Anne is gonna be somebody I'm gonna take under my wing. Right. But here's how you establish who that future leader might be. You have to have an unwavering belief in their ability and then back up the fact that you believe they are capable of so much more than they think they are with, you start to look at the structure and the accountability we talked about to allow Joe to accomplish things that Joe never knew he could. Mm -hmm. But the key here is you just can't say you believe in them. peeps. you got, you know, you got to come back and say there's structure, there's accountability but you have a hundred percent of my belief. And so those are a couple of things I say, you know, very tactically and then kind of from a mindset perspective, how do I identify and set up for future leaders? You know, I love everything you just said for so many reasons, you know, and I'll start with the latter first is that, you know, I've raised up a lot of leaders and a lot of them were not only because I would believe them, but I would challenge them. But at the same time, you know, especially when you're leading a lot of people, you don't always make the time. I'm not going to say you don't have the time. You don't always make the time. Uh, you know, just to be fairly honest. I mean, really, if we're if we if we manage our days, we can get so much more done. But to really make the time to say, okay, let's talk about the core, you know, essence of what it means to move to the next level. Because those that you believe in. of them are just going to get better and better. And so you feel good about it because you promoted them. But really, if you look back, you know, they got there a lot on their own measures. How much farther could they go if you would have spent more time developing them and really having, you know, even a 15 minute conversation every week about, you know, Ken, this is what you did great this week. I love that. Now let's take that to the next level. You know, how would you tackle this next problem? I need you to help me with this one issue. This is the struggle I'm having with it. You know, how can you help me to bring this to bear? And I think that's so important. Um, I still, you know, I've got a team of eight people. They're all based in Kenya. um, And I'm, I'm spending so many hours with them right now to take them to their next levels, which I'm proud of. But 
I'm still not great at managing my time to get each one of them where they need to be in the time. It's more like trying to play ping, uh, you know, pinball. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, there's an issue. We're going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's an issue deal with that. Oh, yeah. that's an Oh, here's an opportunity for promotion or, you know, for, for new advancement, but conscientiously to take that time and say, I'm going to, I not just only believe in this person, but I'm going to invest in this person to get them where they need to be. Well, that was it. Invest in them, right? Because are you reacting or are you being proactive? Mm-hmm. Because here's the deal. The more time you spend being reactive and less time you spend being proactive, the more likely you are to see outcomes that you don't, that you didn't have any control over. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I can tell you everything I need to know about whether or not a leader is good by doing a simple calendar audit. We'll tell people go through a two week audit. Okay. And here's what I want you to do, right? I want you to take your calendar, right? And the things that are productive, Put them in green at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. You can color code your calendar, put them in yeah. green, right? That's the stuff where you spent time with your team. You spent time with your team in front of prospects, et cetera. Right. right. Then I want you to come through, put everything in yellow. The stuff that's just like a tax, right? It's like, we all want to minimize taxes. Well, most people, I think. So we want to spend less time doing that. So we'll put that in yellow. It's kind of whether it's a necessary evil that we got to pay. Yeah. Right. And then I want you to put everything in red that's a leech. Right. And all those leeches are things. And I got this from a buddy of mine, Randy Reavers, but all those things that are leeches are where you're doing somebody else's job. So as a sales manager, here's what that looks like. Instead of teaching Jody how to do it, you did it for her. Yep, exactly. That's the path we think is quickest today. And it is today, but it's also the thing that will take the most time from you over your lifetime of managing. Absolutely. Do that for two weeks. And if you're not somewhere that's well above 50% in green, you know that you've got to gain better control of your calendar because you've probably heard the saying, like, I can tell exactly what's important to you by looking at your calendar and your bank account. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's very true. I do some similar things with groups that I, that I talk to, but I love the way you, you know, bring that down because really it does come down to your calendar. And, you know, it was something that I had a a big awakening with my team a couple months ago where I realized nobody was really operating at that point in time where I needed them to be. And so we just had a full on come to Jesus meeting where I'm like, this is why I started this company. This is why I have you guys. This is why I believe in all of you, but I need you guys all to level up. Now, this is how I'm going to help you level up. And we've had incredible success from, from that point in time. But now that I see the buoyancy of that starting to, you know, like it popped up above the water and now, you know, and now it's kind of starting to go down again. So now it's like, okay, keep it above the water, keep that buoyancy up high. So not only we get more consistent results, but they feel better about what's going on, not just for me to feel better, but they feel better because the more that your team engages in successful activities, um, the, the better, the more they want to continue to do that as well. Yeah. And you know what I've seen that happen with in sales? So one is sometimes we ask people to do things that we just kind of, we ask them, oh, they, they're doing it now. Oh, wait, they stopped doing it. Right. So that's one. But you know, from a bigger picture perspective, when you start to talk about um, kind of managing salespeople from that perspective, Here's, here's a re- here's a tip that like, people think I need think I can't speak. It's a good thing we're on a podcast. Um, <laughs> right. Here, here's the thing. Like you want to say, Ken, what is the number one thing you do in order to get buy-in from people in order to get people? 
I probably have a list. It's a short list, but I probably have five or six people I could call today who worked for me in the past. I won't tell them what the job is. I won't tell them what it pays and I won't tell them what I need them to do, but I could say, I need you to start in two weeks and they would, they would quit their jobs. Mm -hmm. That's a huge piece of pride for me. And I'll tell you how you get there because you need to connect their personal desire and growth with how the company gets them there. Yep. Yep. So many leaders can't do that. It's not enough to know that Jimmy has three young children. What does Jimmy want for his family and his life? Right. What does Ann want to achieve? And then how does the company get you there? Because I will tell you the truth. When those two things no longer fit, it is time for Jimmy or Ann to leave. Yep. I agree. I agree. And I think that's, uh, it's really important. I think we're going to, we're going to see that more and more. In fact, one of my other predictions is now that we are coming out of the pandemic, there's a lot of people that now they would never have left their companies three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, because everything was uncertain. So they stayed with their company, stayed with their job, praying that they'd still have a job and a paycheck. Now people are asking questions and, and as businesses um, are trying to come out and they're trying to anticipate, you know, uh, you know, do we have promotions? Do we have pay raises? Do we, all those things that businesses are having to say no to right now because they're still trying to be in survival mode. I don't think is a good plan because now people are going to start job hopping again because there will be other businesses that will take them and that will give them that those things that they want personally and professionally. I my prediction is we're going to over the next year we're going to see some some of the biggest transitions in jobs as people say, well now that I'm no longer afraid, now I can begin to go after what I really want because I've had a year to understand what's important to me in a whole new level. Yeah, that's deep. That's really, really good because I, I agree that fear held people in place mm-hmm. and that the more that you think about what's coming, leadership hasn't gotten any better. Mm-hmm. Broadly speaking, there are fantastic leaders out there, but I will tell you that yep. for the most part, um, your calendar should be off the hook busy because there's so many people who just need to be better at this. Yep. Uh, I think we've lost, we, we didn't have very good relationships with our people when we were seeing them in person. Those relationships have moved to be even more superficial now that we're remote. Um, and then more importantly, there's this little thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> right? Just a little thing. And we, and, and as leaders, you forget, like, the most ridiculous thing I ever hear is, you know, you ask that question, why are you in sales? And the first answer is because I want to make a lot of money. Why do you want to make a lot of money? Right. The five whys. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get down to, because I want security, safety, like you want, it just always comes back to that. Yeah. So if you can't position your company in a manner that helps meet those needs as well, be prepared for turnover because the other thing that's happening right now is we're seeing it in everything, but the pricing, the salaries, the compensation inside salespeople. And I don't know that I haven't seen the stat anywhere, but, but as an example, because of the virtual idea, SDRs, inside salespeople, what I'm seeing is that comp has moved up by 50% mm-hmm. in salary alone. Wow. So if you're still paying somebody 40 grand, they can walk next door. Oh, wait, they don't have to anymore because they can do it in their house. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They up an extra two thousand bucks a month in salary. Right. So what is? I'm not saying you have to all of a sudden increase your payroll by fifty percent on your inside salespeople, 
but you better connect with them and show them a career pathway. Like we do things with, with like levels where there's three levels of an inside salesperson so they can feel the achievement and the promotion. So they'll stick around. Right. Right. I digress. There's just, there's a lot of stuff going on. Turnover has already started to be a thing, particularly in the technical field, software engineering, et cetera. You're getting a really basic, you know, unexperienced software engineer for 200,000 when that used to be kind of the top of the market. Yep. So you're, yeah. um, all, I'm totally online. <laughs> I know it's pretty scary. And I think it, the, I think the lesson I, I keep telling people is keep your eyes open because once you start to see um, the shifting of your, of your team, especially in your sales force, then you better be paying attention because it'll start with one and it'll become a flood. So Ken, I think we could talk about this all day. I love it. Now we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, what's the best way for them to find you? Perfect. Well, the easy way on all of the social channels is if you go to Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it is, it's at K G London, L U N D I N. Right. So you look for any of those, you'll find Ken Lundin. Um, and then clearly the website's kenlundin.com and my email is super complicated. <laughs> email me at ken at kenlundin.com. And then if you'll tell, if you'll tell us that you saw us on shock potential, and what we do is we agree to do a 30 minute like strategy call on sales. There's no selling in this thing. We'll just talk to you about your business and see whether or not there's anything going on. We might be able to give you a few tips on. Excellent. And I apologize because I've been calling you London, but instead it's Lundine. That's all right. Wow. You notice how I said it in London at the first time too. It's just <laughs> what people do. <laughs> I, see, that's what, what I get for assuming something. There you go. Uh, well, Ken Lundine. It's a good of a conversation pre-show. So. <laughs> That is true. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yeah, I've got one last thing. And, you know, I want people to understand now, and it goes to what we just finished talking about, but now is more important than ever to manage, coach, lead your teams, to understand where they're coming from and to tie into what do their personal wins look like? Where are they trying to go with their life? And how does your company facilitate that? And you must model that behavior at the CEO slot to your, you got to take that to your CFO, to your CEO, to your executive VPs and down. And they must model that behavior for the people they directly manage, because that's how you're going to create a culture that's going to be uber productive and that you're going to reduce the turnover costs that are associated with your people thinking you don't know. Excellent. Very great advice. It has been a pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you so much for everything that you shared with us, Ken. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you having me and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.